good, good fucking job, StreamYard. The software that I pay a lot of money for in order to live stream is actually allowing me to live stream. You love to see it. You love to see it on a Monday morning after week six is in the books. Week five is in the books. And uh, and we will recap everything that happened in week five. We're going to take an early look at the waiver wire for week six. Let me zoom out a little bit. As you can see, we've got a little bit of a new bike ground going on. So what's cracking? What's cracking, everybody? Welcome, bike to the channel. Welcome, bike to the headquarters. And uh, we've got a lot of injuries over the weekend. We've got a lot to wrap up. We've got a lot to talk about. Quality shitty, of course. StreamYard is always shitty. StreamYard is always shitty. It only lets you go up to 1080p, and for some reason it delivers in like 640p. And when I do it on Ecamm Live, that usually works, except their maneuvering of the um, their maneuvering of the actual screen itself is terrible. It's so bad. So there's just no good live streaming softwares out there. It all stinks. It's all terrible, which is why I have to make sure that the content itself is good. I've already got a headache from yelling so much. How we doing, everybody? We okay? We all right out there? Are we better than me? Clearly, I've got some angst to me today. It's Monday, October 11th. We're already midway through October. What the fuck? Can I tell you about this ridiculous trade that just happened in my league? The New York City League. Uh, it's a 12-team league, super flex, half PPR with tight end premium. Um, Nikki, Nikki Baklava from Canada drafts a terrible team. So he's starting to pull his team apart and, uh, and start trading his better players for some downgrades, but multiple players. And he's trying to get rid of Stefan Diggs. So I send him a trade offer. This is a tight end premium league. I send him Debo and Kyle Pitts prior to the games on Sunday for Stefan Diggs. Okay. Uh, Debo and, and Kyle Pitts for Stefan Diggs. That's an extremely fair trade offer, all right? It's an upgrade for me at wide receiver, but he gets Kyle Pitts. I don't really have a, a tight end behind him, honestly. It's Goddard, so I would actually be kind of fucking in the hole. He declines it, and then he accepts a trade this morning. He gives away Stefan Diggs for Melvin Gordon, Robert Tunyon, and Devonta Smith. I'm, I'm fucking furious for multiple reasons. One... That's just the worst fucking trade I've ever seen. It goes to Brett, and now Brett's Brett's the defending champion, and now he just upgrades his team by getting rid of three trash pieces that are just wasting space on his roster. So he gives up digs, gets two unstartable players. You can't start Robert Tunyon right now. You can't start Melvin Gordon right now. Devontae Smith is like a wide receiver three. It's half PPR for Stefan Diggs. The other thing is, like, I give you Debo and Kyle Pitts. And somehow you don't think that's better. Even if you denied it before the weekend and now you're looking at it like, oh, Kyle Pitts looks a lot better after the weekend. How do you not look at that trade before you hit accept? Come back to me and hit me with a trade offer. Say, hey, is that trade still on the table? Can we maneuver around something? You know, even if it's a drop off from like Debo to Antonio Brown and Kyle Pitts for Diggs, which is still terrible. Diggs should win that side. I don't know how you don't go back to that and take that over what piece of shit he accepted today. Nikki, Nikki, I knew you were bad at fantasy after the draft, but my God, but my God. All right. How we doing? How you doing? How you been? Hope the quality's better. I'm sure it's not. Let's jump into the games. Uh, we're just going to go game by game as we normally do. We won't start off with injuries because we'll just cover those as we, uh, as we siphon through the games. And as we learned last week, if you click the little middle button of your scroller, it automatically opens a link in a new tab. Uh, Russell Wilson hurt. He's going to be out a while. Geno Smith takes over, and I really am, am not about to sit here and act like uh, and act like Geno Smith is is a solution to any problems that the Seahawks have right now. I know he looked fine in in like one half of football, but let's not act like he has since 2018. Like, let's not take a one-half sample size of what Geno Smith did and uh, and try to act like everything is fine in Seattle. Seattle's going to be a problem. Tyler Lockett 
is probably now like a wide receiver three, a low end wide receiver three going forward. DK Metcalf, I still think is going to be a high end wide receiver two. I still think he takes up the, the valuable targets. I still think he's a beast and he should be fine. Obviously, the, they're going to be a little bit less accurate, but DK Metcalf is still going to ball as he normally does. Alex Collins takes over the role for Chris Carson. We don't know what Carson's status is. The neck is obviously a serious injury, but it might be more of like when you hear uh, it's a chronic injury, a long-term injury, a, lo a long-term injury or chronic injury does not always mean it's serious in the short term. So he could be back next week. I think it's going to be more of a pain tolerance thing. Uh, Alex Collins obviously took on a massive role. The problem is that they now have an offense run by Geno Smith and Chris Carson wasn't really that valuable to begin with as the starter. Uh, so now Alex Collins takes over as the starter if he is the guy uh, in a Geno Smith-led offense. So it's a downgrade to everybody on offense. Uh, Geno Smith, for all y'all that are Russell Wilson owners, I guess you're going to have to go grab Geno Smith active on the ground, um, but I'm not really, really excited about it. On the flip side of things, Earl Henderson continues to be the absolute bell cow and workhorse. Robert Woods had a bounce bike game. I still ex expect uh, Cooper Cup to run train on the league as he has been doing for the previous, you know, four or five weeks. Um, so nothing really changes there for me. Woods had his first good game in five weeks. So I'm not about to say like Robert Woods is fully biked, but you know, you have a little bit more confidence going into this game, although Seattle's like not a good defense. So it's not something you get super excited about the Rams over the next few weeks. Their schedule looks like, let's see. We've got uh, the Giants, who are beatable through the air. You've got the Lions, the Texans, the Titans. Wow, okay. And the 49ers. You have a lot of good games against a lot of weak defenses. So, Robert Woods, you obviously keep trotting out as like a flex play, but you know nothing really changed here from the Rams side of things that we didn't already know. Jets-Falcons, man, this was one of the, the – I, I had a fucking ball watching this game. This was fun, probably because I'm a Falcons fan. Uh, Zach Wilson continues to look terrible. Michael Carter continues to chip away at the lead part of this role. And we continue to say the same thing week in and week out. What does that actually mean for fantasy? Not much. I mean, he keeps putting up like 10 to tw uh, 10 to 12 points, but he's getting these uh, touchdowns that I don't think are really predictive because they play against shitty defenses. So Michael Carter is a desperate flex play. He is still splitting time with like Ty Johnson and Seven Coleman. So, um, it's just not a situation I have a lot of confidence in. Nothing on the New York Jets side of the ball is something I have confidence in right now. On the Falcon side of things, they did not have Calvin Ridley. They did not have Russell Gage. And uh, and it turned into the Cordell Patterson show. And, and I tweeted this out. I just I feel like Cordell Patterson was was uh, he started off so strong. I, I, he was going to fuck around and get himself knighted out there in England, man. Like, I feel like if English fans out there, one, are like looking at this game asking themselves what kind of piece of shit the NFL product is. And and I feel so bad because some of them are going to watch this game. And, you know, there's probably people that go there for the first. This is probably their first piece of football they've ever watched. You know, it's like maybe it, maybe it's a fan, uh, like a guy who's a fan, right? And he has an allegiance to one of these teams or just a different NFL team. And they're like, they bring their girlfriend or their fiance or their wife or whatever. I'm sure that was a situation that happened a, a ton in that stadium. And and some of these some of these poor, poor people are going to come away from this game and be like, I'm a Falcons fan. Matt Ryan is my favorite quarterback. Um, and I just feel so I'm sick to my stomach about that for them. That's terrible. Like, welcome to the dark side, but holy shit, that's unfortunate. So Cordero Patterson continues to be an every week player in your lineup. We actually saw his snaps jump up from about a third of the snaps to 50%. I do think that probably has to do with a lot of the injuries. Kyle Pitts had his breakout game. Again, like what the fuck else could we expect with Ridley and Russell Gage gone? Who else were they going to throw the ball to? Mike Davis, this does nothing for me. He's still, in my mind, the same exact player he was one week ago. You play against the fucking Jets and you, you actually have garbage time points uh, as a Falcons player. Like a, You better fucking go 13 for 53 with a touchdown. Otherwise, not really involved in the passing game. Um, he is still a very, very shitty flex play, in my opinion, going forward. It gives you more confidence in Kyle Pitts. Like, you continue to roll him out there as a starting tight end because, you know, what fucking choice do you have? What else do we got? We got Packers and Bengals. We got Lions and Vikings. We've got Broncos and Steelers. We'll start with the Packers and the Bengals. And, man, these English fans have to be watching these games. And, like, half the people in that stadium could probably try out and be a better kicker for the uh, – for these NFL teams. Like, it makes no sense how bad these kickers are. Like these are the best in the world at kicking a football. And they're like marginally better than me. I don't know. Something just don't add up here. 
What do we got? Rodgers, good game. Aaron Jones, another good game. Doesn't get into the end zone, though, which is kind of disappointing. But splitting carries with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon starting to get an uncomfortable amount of work in that backfield. But uh, Aaron Jones is just so good that, I mean, he's going to get his no matter what. Uh, four catches for six yards, disappointing. But better days are obviously to come. Robert Tunyon, very much droppable at this point. Devontae Adams, I would uh, go ahead and suggest you do not drop that man. Everybody else on the Packers team is just unstartable right now. Joey Burrow's got a lot of players on his team that are startable because the Bengals offense is looking pretty uh, pretty spry out there. The running back situation. So Joe Mixon was a guy who I uh, I had Samaji and Joe Mixon in two separate leagues. In the E-Town get down, I did not start either of them. I didn't think we can trust Joe Mixon. I knew he was going to be limited in snaps. He did get lucky and get into the end zone um, at the end of the game, which obviously saved your fantasy day. In the other game, in the other uh, matchup I had, I did end up starting Joe Mixon, and I sat Samaje P. Ryan. And it's fucking annoying because if Joe Mixon had played, Joe Mixon was not going to get five targets and catch four of them for 24 yards and a touchdown. But somehow, Samaje P. Ryan looks like he's 75 years old. Like every part of his, uh, uh, like if you look at Samaje P. Ryan from his neck up, up is 72 years old. I don't get it. I don't get it, but he gets more work than Joe Mixon does when Joe Mixon plays and, and plays good. Uh, everybody held their breath and Joe Mixon went down in the first half. It looked like he fucked up his leg again. And Cincinnati Bengals fans just absolutely, uh, their, their season flashed before their eyes. Handed a come bike him, played well again. Him and Jamar Chase, that connection is just unbelievable. Down game for T. Higgins. Um, but I think you just continue to roll out Chase and T. Higgins. Chase is looking like a fucking every bit of a snack that the dynasty community labeled him as coming into the year. I believe he has five touchdowns on the year and all of them have gone for over 30 or over 35 yards, which is just unbelievable for fantasy. So he's a high end wide receiver too, if not a low end wide receiver one T Higgins. I think you continue to roll him out as like a, a low end wide receiver two that you kind of drafted him as Tyler Boyd, really hard to have confidence in him. If chase and T Higgins are both on the field. So he's kind of like a desperate flex play at this point. He's just not getting the volume and he's not an explosive player. He's not a downfield guy. So if you don't, you know, if you don't get the volume, he's basically just like a, you, if you have a shitty thumper at running back, a two-down running back, doesn't catch a lot of passes and barely gets the goal line work, that's what Boyd is in terms of the wide receiver position. Lions versus Vikings. Uh, just an ugly, ugly fucking day here. We had Dalvin Cook sit out, and Alexander Madison is just doing things that probably Dalvin Cook wasn't going to do. It just makes no sense. Like the starting running backs just sit for a week, and all the backup running backs are just better than them. I, you know, what? Alexander Madison lost the fumble at the end of the game. So I'm like praying as a Dalvin Cook owner, a guy who drafted him at the 102, that like that was enough to say, hey, when Dalvin Cook is back, he gets his workload. I'm a little bit nervous that Alexander Madison is going to start eating into Cook's workload. If they don't trust Cook to be healthy, if they don't think he's going to be 100% for another like three or four weeks, I'm a little bit nervous that we see Cook get like 12 to 14 carries, a few targets over the next, you know, two to three weeks. And Madison uh, also gets around that same workload. So, Time will tell. I'm kind of glad that they sat Dalvin Cook in this one. Obviously, you'd wish those fucking numbers went to your team. But um, it gets another week to rest, and hopefully he's back to full force for next week's matchup, and you get to start him as a high-end wide receiver uh, RB1. Justin Jefferson continues to be a high-end wide receiver one as well. Feeling disappointing. This was kind of my concern going into the year. If he's not scoring touchdowns, he ain't doing a damn fucking thing, and that's what we saw, two for 40 unfortunate for Adam Thielen. I think you continue to start him though, obviously, because he's such a target funnel in this offense as like a, a low end wide receiver too, who would be involved in the end zone red zone. But I did see a stat somewhere, some podcast this morning. I think it was Roto Pat said, uh, Adam Thielen only has four red zone targets on the year. So it's a little bit concerning to be honest, something to watch moving forward. If, the, if they get down there and, and he's still not seeing any, seeing any targets, uh, he's he's going to get into that that desperate flex play option. On the flip side of things, Jamal Williams gets 13 carries, 57 yards. DeAndre Swift, 11-51, saves his day with the goal line carry and gets in for a touchdown, uh, but does catch six more passes for 53 yards. There is a semi-significant injury that I want to talk about in this game, and it's Quintus Cephas who ends up breaking his collarbone. Now, Cephas breaks his collarbone, and it's significant because we're seeing Amon Ross St. Brown, the talented rookie, start to take over a really expanded role in this offense. Now, Amon Ra, over the last two weeks, 
He has run the most routes. He has played on the most snaps of the Detroit wide receivers. He has seen eight targets in back-to-back games. He went seven for 65 in this one. Last week, I believe he went six for 70. So he's becoming a really solid PPR play. And now with Quintus Cephas out, they have literally nobody at, at wide receiver. Look at the rest of their wide receiver group there right here. Receivers behind Amon Ross St. Brown literally combined for one catch. It was Kaderil Hodge. And I don't even know if he's a wide receiver or a tight end. Be a one catch for 17 yards. Other than that, it's DeAndre Swift and CJ Hawkinson. Uh, Tyrell Williams is available to come off the IR next game. Tyrell Williams suffered a concussion, which is what put him on the IR. A concussion that sits you out for three plus weeks is extremely concerning. And to me, that does, I haven't heard anything about Tyrell Williams. So could be back next week. Uh, maybe if you're in a deeper league, he's a pickup that you want to look at, but I, I don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't put it as a sure thing that he comes back. And if that's the case, I'm on Ross St. Brown. While definitely not the top rookie wide receiver pickup on the week, uh, is definitely a nice little consolation prize in PPR league. So again, getting the most play time, running the most routes and getting really, really involved in this offense from the slot with Quintus Cephas now also out. Uh, I'm on Rod needs to be rostered. Bronco Steelers, Steelers win 27-19. Ben Roethlisberger actually throws for two touchdowns. This was the first time I just heard the stat as well that their offense scored over 20 points this year. Week one, they had 23, but they had a defensive score. So it was the first time their offense looked like somewhat okay. The good thing about this for fantasy, man, is no matter how bad Ben plays, it's such a funnel offense. Najee Harris, 23 for 122 on the ground and a tug also catches uh, two of five targets for 20 yards. So Najee Harris continues to be a high-end running back one that you just tried out there week in and week out. The big injury here is Juju Smith-Schuster ends up uh, out for probably the year. It's a very significant injury. He's on the IR, but he's probably, I believe it's season ending, which makes you really comfortable, okay? Starting a guy like Chase, the biggest impact from this injury is easily you're you're able to start Chase Claypool with confidence now. This entire offense is going to run through Najee, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool, okay? This is like, it's like fucking, uh, how, how do I, you know, like Chase Claypool, Claypool could go off. And he, it's like you're, you're seeing a girl who works at Apple, right? Apple, like the tech company, Apple makes your fucking iPhone. It's like you're seeing a girl who works at Apple, but you can't wife it up until her work husband is fired or leaves to take a job at Google, right? Only then do you feel comfortable locking that shit up. With Juju out, you finally feel comfortable throwing Chase Claypool in the lineup, okay? That's how I would have liked in this situation. Chase Claypool, 5 for 130 in a touchdown, leads the team with six targets. Got to like what you see going for. He's basically the, the bad offense Mike Williams. That's how I would have likened him to, okay? I just used the word liken probably two more times than I ever have in my life and did it twice within a 10-second period. So Claypool, um, biggest takeaway from the Juju injury is definitely that Najee Harris is going to keep eating. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, all up the board there. On the flip side, uh, I mean, literally the same sentiment every single week with this running back by committee here. Javante Williams, eight carries, 61 yards, looks better. Melvin Gordon, nine for 34. They're going to continue to get both backs involved until we see a significant injury or until there's a week where we see a big changing of the guard, which I do not expect at this moment, but Cortland Sutton, monster game, 7-120 and a touchdown on 11 targets. Tim Patrick, 7 for 89 on nine targets. Jerry Judy, I believe, is still not expected to come back until like week eight. Uh, so you continue to try it out. Cortland Sutton as a really strong wide receiver two play. Tim Patrick as a flex play. Noah Fant had a had a shitty game, but you can st- you continue to throw him out there as a uh, as a fantasy tight end starter because you don't have a fucking choice. What else do we got? Oh, Mr. Brady. Big game from the GOAT. All right. We're going to start with the Dolphins and Buccaneers because that was the first page to load. Uh, Brady, 411 yards, five touchdowns. Leonard Fournette is taking over as the workhorse here. 12 carries, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Also has five targets, catches four of them, 43 yards. So he goes uh, for 110 yards and a touchdown. I want to say that would be multiple consecutive games in a row where he's done that. He's uh, leading the team in snaps and routes run and carries. He's just dominating on a team that you would like to have a starting running back for and how he's clearly taken over that role. So Leonard Fournette's a really, really strong running back too going forward. 
Uh, I mean, again, this is the same sentiment that we say every week. It's just a carousel at wide receiver. Who's going to hit the big plays? Who's going to get the touchdowns? Antonio Brown, seven for 124, two touchdowns. Six for 113, two touchdowns for Mike Evans. Chris Godwin does not get in the end zone. He did have like two or three end zone targets that he just couldn't connect with. So could have had a much bigger day, but seven for 70 is fine. Going to get it done. Um, You just keep trotting those three guys out every single week because they have Tom Brady, all right? And you just hope that your guy, whoever you have going out there, is the one who catches the touchdowns. On the flip side of things, the Dolphins were without Devontae Parker. They got rid of Jakeem Grant. They're super, super banged up on offense. So it felt like Jalen Waddle was supposed to be a good play. Ends up with six targets, only has two catches for 31 yards. So turns out, not a good play. Miles Gaskin turned into the biggest beneficiary here. 10 targets, 10 catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Uh, And as always, you attack the Buccaneers through the air. They had a total of nine carries in this one. Uh, Two of those nine were from wide receivers. So nothing on the ground there. Miles Gaskin, uh, it's going to depend for me on whether or not these wide receivers continue to miss time. Devontae Parker, obviously being out leads. I mean, that game script when you're down 50 fucking points is going to lead to a ton of dump offs. It's going to lead to a ton of targets. Uh, The Dolphins over the next few weeks play against. Nope, that's not what I wanted to do. Also not that. Hey, StreamYard, how about we fucking act mature for your for your boy just one time? One time. Oh, we're going to open up soccer. Okay. Holy shit, I'm getting a lot of emails. Tua uh, expected to be bike next week, which you love to see for the offense. Eh, kind of, I guess. Jaguars, Falcons, Bills, Texans. So three out of the next four games are really, really enticing matchups. I think you could throw Gaskin out there as a flex play. I think you'll be able to uh, start Parker if he is back. Waddle seems kind of desperate, but you keep rolling Gasicki out right now. Waddle seemed like he was trending in the direction of being a strong flex play, but I guess hard to trust him right now because we're not seeing any consistency with the production. We are seeing some consistency with volume from him, but I'd like to see that volume turn into production at the moment. So, uh, so Gaskin, yeah, if he was dropped, you pick him bike up. If, uh, if you need a desperate flex play again during bye weeks, I think that's okay. Ah, fuck. We just X out of the Saints Washington game, probably because that game deserved to be X'd out of. Eagles, Panthers. Somehow the Eagles ran, uh, ended up pulling off a fucking dub in this game. Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell, both just unstartable in fantasy right now. Jalen Hurts, two touchdowns on the ground, so he saves his fantasy day that way. Devonta Smith continues to be like a wide receiver three who's going to see the most targets in this offense. Everybody else is kind of unstartable in this offense. Jalen Hurts, Devonta Smith, that is it. Uh, Carolina, shit day for Sam Darnold, which led to a shit day for every one of these wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, again, is probably droppable. DJ Moore, continue to put him out there as a wide receiver one, obviously. Better days ahead. Chuba, 24 for 101 on the ground. Catches five of six targets for 33 yards. So big day from Chuba. The biggest takeaway here for that is really that uh, C-Mac should be back next week. You know, a lot of of sentiment around him maybe returning this week. Really glad they did not, but he should be strong, full go for next week. What that means, because we saw Chuba take like all of the workload basically, is that you hold on to Chuba if you're a C-Mac owner. Or you hold on to Chuba if you're any owner, okay? At this point, because he is the clear handcuff and getting a ton of work if C-Mac gets hurt again, which is a valuable, a valuable role. So over 130 yards from scrimmage and uh, 29 touches for Chuba. So you hold on to Chuba. Titans, Jags, Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, and that's about that. A.J. Brown, concern level, semi-high, semi-fucking high in a game where the Titans score 37 points. A.J. Brown catches three balls for 38 yards. You continue to roll him out. He was probably a little bit hampered in this game. Let me check the uh, snap counts in this one to see if he was at full strength and he was running a route on like 90%. Because I, f- I want to say I was watching this game and I feel like there was a lot of snaps in which A.J. Brown wasn't playing. So he might not, he might not have been at full strength here. We'll see if Julio Jones is back in the game next week. I, I would give him a 50-50 chance at best because he wasn't really practicing much this week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A.J. Brown plays on 41 snaps. Yeah, A.J. Brown only played on 64% of the snaps, so I want to say that they were easing him back into this. Uh, brighter days ahead, but I, I guess you can clearly tell that this offense is not a good offense, and they're con- going to continue to just uh, give Henry a suicidal level of carries. They get the Bills next week, which is a really tough matchup. Then they get the Chiefs. Um so AJ Brown, I don't think I'm sitting him next week, but I wouldn't have very high hopes for him. On the Jaguars side of things, James Robinson, very good at football, continues to be very good at football. You continue to rot him out, trot him out as an RB1. Trevor Lawrence is one of my favorite buy low candidates right now in fantasy football because nobody that owns Trevor Lawrence, I feel like, is playing Trevor Lawrence, and he is getting more and more comfortable, especially on the ground. This guy continues to run the ball. I think the best, literally the best bet in terms of just like player props and sports gambling over the next month, two months is Trevor Lawrence over whatever his rushing total is every single week. Trevor Lawrence is getting really, really comfortable running the ball and he's looking really good doing it. So he throws one touchdown through the air, 273 yards, but also runs for 28 yards and a touchdown. So he's going to continue, I think, to get better and better as the year progresses and be really, really good for fantasy uh, as a really strong quarterback two option. On the receiving side of things, uh, LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones both fucking stink. We'll put it at that. There is nobody that you can be comfortable starting in this passing game. The interesting takeaway here is Dan Arnold. They just got him two weeks ago. They just got him two weeks ago, and he's already leading the team in targets. Eight targets, six catches, 64 yards. And we've seen Trevor Lawrence, no matter who is the tight end for them, uh, him like really, really stick on to him. So Dan Arnold is without a doubt a strong tight end pickup in the waiver wire. This week, if you are hurting at tight end right now, if you know if you had George Kittle on the IR or whatever, Dan Arnold seems like someone who is here to stick. Athletic player, uh, Trevor Lawrence clearly, clearly likes him. So, Dan Arnold, waiver wire pickup. Uh, we will be dropping two videos tomorrow, as always on Tuesday. One for the running backs, top waiver wire pickups, and a second for the top pass catchers, which includes both the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, but yeah, I'm not starting Visca, and I will never fucking start Marvin Jones again in my fantasy lineups. We missed out on the Saints-Washington game. And we have the Patriots-Texans, Bears-Raiders, Browns-Jadges. New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston throws four touchdowns. Yo, Jameis Winston, every time he throws the ball, it's like you got to close your eyes. It looks like he's like a fucking trying out for the Olympic shot put team or trying out. It looks like he's from fucking 2000 B.C., the year 2000 BC. And he's like trying to spear uh, like a mammoth, a, a behemoth of an animal 200 yards away. Every time he throws the ball, it's like he breaches back. Like he's got to load up for the throw and, and hold it deep. And his eyes are like looking uh, perpendicular or parallel. Yeah. Perpendicular to where the wider. It's fucking messy, but he, he scored four touchdowns. Kamara back on his bullshit. I love how every single time Kamara has a bad receiving game. Everyone's like, Oh, Oh, he fell off. And then like the next week, he has nine fucking targets. So no takeaways from the same side of things that we didn't already know. The one thing I will say here, Marquez Callaway is a semi-interesting pickup for a couple reasons. 
He's a zero. If, if you're going to use any any energy on picking him up, zero fab dollars for sure. You're not using anything in the top like seven of your waiver wire uh, spot on him. But Deontay Harris pulls his hamstring. Okay, a bunch of different parts here. They have a week six bye, so you can't use him next week even if you wanted to. Michael Thomas, I believe, has to sit out for six. I don't know if it's six games or six weeks. I don't remember. But if it's six games, he's got to be out for week seven as well. But if it's six weeks, then he's eligible to return in week seven. But just because he's eligible doesn't mean he is going to be back in week seven. Um, The Saints play against the Seahawks next week. Or when their bye is done. The Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Falcons, the Titans. All teams that you attack through the air. Deontay Harris pulled his hamstring. If Michael Thomas is not back, they literally don't have another wide receiver to throw to. Marcus Callaway is coming off a season high eight targets. Caught four of them for 85 yards, two touchdowns. I, I legitimately think Marquez Calloway is a flex option during bye weeks if Michael Thomas does not return. That's the takeaway from the Saints side. From the Washington side, Taylor Heineke stinks. He is not good at football whatsoever. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is ever going to return, but Jesus Christ, do they need him. Uh, Antonio Gibson continues to do Joe Mixon things, averaging three yards a carry. Gets the goal line work there, so that was uh, really sexy to see. Not really involved in the passing side of things. Catches two of two targets for 12 yards. J.D. McKissick only catches one of his four targets for eight yards. So nothing new there. You continue to try it out Antonio Gibson because he gets a lot of carries and a lot of goal line work. Uh, wide receivers. So a few takeaways here. Ricky Seals-Jones was a guy that I told you guys to target on the waiver wire last week because Logan Thomas is on the IR. Ricky Seals-Jones had eight targets. Catches five of them for 41 yards. And as the old adage says, famous last words, he was really close to a big day. He was really close to a big day. Uh, I would say nine PPR points is decent for a tight end pickup, though. Uh, Taylor Heineke is going to target the middle of the field, which leads to a lot of tight end targets, leads to a lot of targets for guys like Adam Humphreys and DeAndre Carter. Don't want either of those guys. But Terry McLaurin is going to continue to get a ton of fucking work, obviously. So you could, you continue to try out Terry McLaurin because he gets 10 targets a game as a wide receiver one. Ricky Seals-Jones is a legitimate uh, waiver wire target at the tight end position. Uh, Curtis Samuel pulls his groin again, so he is out. He's out indefinitely. I think he's going to be out for a long time. So, again, that condenses the target funnels to guys like Rick Seals-Jones and Terry McLaurin. Patriots-Texans. Ugly fucking game. Davis Mills, though. Davis Mills. Shout out the Mills God. Um, very fluky game, in my opinion. Chris Moore, you are not picking up. Chris Conley, you are just anyone named Chris on the Texans, you're not picking up. Anyone on the Texans, you're not picking up. Uh, I guess the question becomes... Brandon Cooks, what do we do? This was like my concern. I've been saying for three weeks why I didn't want to fucking start him because this is what might happen when you're in the Texans passing offense. In a game where Davis Mills starts for 312 yards and three touchdowns, Brandon Cooks gets five targets and has 23 yards. So I think you could still throw Brandon Cooks into your lineup as a flex play in like 12-team leagues, but he's definitely not like a must-start by any stretch of the fucking imagination. No one on the Texans will be at any point this week, this year. Patriots. Uh, Damian Harris was on his way to a really strong game, should have had two touchdowns on the ground, but he does fumble. He ends up bruising his ribs, and this is an injury that we've seen take hold of a lot of running backs this year. We don't have any update on it. Uncle Bill won't give us a fucking update on what's going on with Damian Harris yet. Should have an MRI this week, and uh, will give us a little bit more clarity. Most of the running backs that have dealt with this have missed a week or two, so we can maybe prepare for Harris to miss a week. And that would mean Ramondre Stevenson, but Ramondre Stevenson was really fucking bad in this game, had no involvement in the passing game. So, you know, Brandon Bolden had four targets. J.J. Taylor was not playing. Um, The only other real takeaway here is Hunter Henry has had two really big back-to-back games, and he is starting to take over as the guy at the tight end position for the Patriots. Okay. So when we look at this team and when we look at the snap counts, I'll pull them up right quick. We have um, Hunter Henry playing on 71% of the team snaps on the year and Jonu Smith on just 55%. So Henry has two back-to-back big games in the receiving work. And uh, I think he's starting to take hold of a position on the team that, you know, Mac Jones feels really comfortable with them. And I think you could start trotting Hunter Henry out as like somewhere in that tight end you know, nine to 12 ranking range where everybody just fucking sucks anyways. Bears Raiders. So Justin Fields has 
a shitty fantasy day, but is continuing to look a little bit better each week when it comes to like playing quarterback. The biggest takeaway here is the running back situation. So with David Montgomery out, we had Damian Williams rush 16 times for 64 yards and a touchdown. He also sees three targets, two catches, 20 yards. Khalil Herbert. I dropped his name a few times last week because he is an impressive rookie, carries the ball 18 times for 75 yards, does not get a target. As someone who picked up Damian Williams in a lot of leagues last week, that Khalil Herbert workload was not comfortable to see. Okay. Uh, you can go and try to like get as cute as you want with the numbers and be like, this was garbage time. It was second half. Clearly, they like Khalil Herbert, and this is very clearly a running back by committee. What's probably going to happen, and I'll talk more about it in depth on the waiver wire videos tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe to the channel if you want to hear more numbers in depth on this situation. Uh, Damian Williams was like my wider, uh, running back like 15, 16 in the rankings this week. He got saved by that touchdown big time. Um, he's probably going to drop somewhere into that like 20 to 24 range next week. And Khalil Herbert will probably be in that like running back 30 range. Williams will continue to be the pass catching guy here, but anything will happen within the 10 yard line, within the goal line. We don't really know what's going to happen there. Williams got the majority of work there, but Herbert was on the field for some of the plays that they ran within the 10 yard line um, and is clearly like a good back in his own right. So I wouldn't be surprised if this work on, on the ground continues to get split 50 50 and uh, Damian Williams takes the pass catching work. But in this game, it wasn't much. Uh, Justin Fields is, they're not letting him throw the ball a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a dicey situation there. On the Raiders side of things, I think Josh Jacobs is a really good buy low candidate. He's seen like five or more targets in multiple games now that he's been back from that turf toe injury, getting all of the work in the backfield for the most part. 15 carries, only two carries for Kenyon Drake. Derek Carr continues to be disappointing in the passing game. It was just a matter of time before the Raiders offense disappointed. I mean, you can't really trot out anybody in this offense outside of Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs as an RB2. Uh, Renfro, if you want to get cued at the PPR in your PPR leagues, I'm, he's not someone that I really want to start because he's got no ceiling. He's got no fucking ceiling. Justin Herbert. Oh, my God. This Chargers offense, man. I went against a fucking Herbert Eckler stack in more than one league. Like, why did I play both of those guys in more than one league? Needless to say, I was like up 50 going into this afternoon games. Fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck you. Um, nothing new on the Charger side of things. You start Herbert, Eckler, Williams, Allen every single week. Cleveland, uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, pretty fucking good at the game. Baker Mayfield, strong outing in this one. But Odell Beckham, in, 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 a, in a game where Baker Mayfield throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns, Odell Beckham comes away two for 20. Um, you can't really start him with any confidence right now. Donovan Peoples-Jones comes away five for 70. You're not starting him because you're not going to get consistency. David Njoku, this was an interesting game for him because he goes seven for 149 in a touchdown. He had a broken play that ended up in that 71-yard touchdown, but even taking that away, six for about 80 on the game. Uh, Austin Hooper is just absolutely not involved. This was like the first good game from David Njoku since week one. So to predict us to get any sort of, you know, um, consistency out of David Njoku is probably a fucking joke on our end, but I think he's worth looking into. If you're in a 14 team league, if you are in a tight end premium league, 12 teamer or deeper, I'm not going to blow any fab on him because I have zero fucking confidence that this type of performance happens again. You know, we're three years into this fucking experiment, David Njoku. And every time he has a big play, people want to be like, he's so fucking athletic that this is going to start being a consistent part of it. And it never is. So I don't know. Not much to take away there. You continue to roll out the running backs here, but not much else. We get into the afternoon games and some fucking really exciting takeaways from these. We start with the Giants-Cowboys. Now, the entire New York team uh, probably having a really good time in the hospital together, popping perks and chilling, probably playing Uno or Go Fish or some shit. Because Daniel Jones leaves the field, looked like he was drunk, super woozy, ends up with a concussion. Saquon Barkley sprains the ankle. It looked thick. That was a thick ankle break. It looked like it was a football horizontally in his ankle. Kenny Galladay, Hyper extends his knee. They're already down Sterling Shepard. They're already down Darius Slayton. This entire offense is hurt right now. So what can we take away? Starting up top at the quarterback position, 
Daniel Jones is in the concussion protocol. I can give you no uh, further an- uh, analysis that you have on concussions other than what everybody else has. He's a 50-50 shot to play next week. I have no idea if he's going to play next week. Normal concussion protocol, usually five days to clear, six days to clear. Might play, might not play. If he doesn't play, Mike Glennon will be the backup for him. Okay? And they have, I believe, a tough matchup next week against was it the Rams, I want to say. Yep, the Rams next week. So I am, I mean, you're obviously not starting Mike Glennon against the Rams. But with the skilled players, you have Devontae Booker taking over for Saquon. Saquon's almost assuredly going to miss next week and probably going to be a multi-week absence. It was a low ankle sprain. But what happens with the low ankle sprain, some of them will be day-to-day. Some of them will swell up really, really, really big. And it'll be like a pain tolerance thing. It'll be a swelling issue. Clearly, Saquon's on the bad side of this. So Devonta Booker comes in and takes almost all of the work. You have Gary Brightwell, this rookie, who people are going to try to get cute with, uh, literally played zero snaps yesterday. He was active, played zero snaps. Devonta Booker took all of the running back carries. Yes, Elijah Penny had one, but he's a fullback. Devonta Booker, 16 carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Also involved in the passing game. Four targets, three catches, 16 yards, and a touchdown. So he took all of the work in the backfield, 20 opportunities, scores two touchdowns. You're obviously not going to see those two touchdowns, uh, especially if not if Mike Glennon is a quarterback against the Los Angeles Rams next week. But Devonta Booker, if Saquon misses time, you're getting a guy who's probably going to see 15 to 20 opportunities a game. They're going to be low efficiency, but he's going to get the goal line work. He's going to catch three to four passes a game. So you could definitely, definitely do worse in the uh, in the flex area for Devontae Booker going forward. I'm not going to blow my fab on him, but I would put, you know, 10%, 15% if you are desperate for flex or running back options at this point. The wide receiver position. Good Lord. As you look at the box score, wow, this is actually a crazy, crazy stat. Kadaris Tony, 10 catches. The only other receiver on the Giants with a catch is John Ross. With one, Unless CJ Board, unless I'm a moron, CJ Board is a wide receiver and not a tight end. All right, well, I'm a moron, and C.J. Board is a wide receiver and not a tight end. Regardless, Kadarius Toney is a, a fucking grown man. And what do you know when the Dynasty Twitter has a collective consensus on somebody, they are almost the, – the, there's never a stronger bet than against the Dynasty Twitter consensus. If they think a player is bad, he's without a doubt going to be good. If they think a player is really good, probably going to be bad. Kadarius Toney falls right into that fucking hole – and Kadaris Tony, a lot of people didn't like him. There's, yeah, I mean, there were major reasons not to like Tony. The problem with Tony is that he broke out. He didn't break out until his fourth year, a senior in college. And typically the reason you bet against those players is because if you're not good enough to do it as a younger player, like you're a senior by the time you break out, you're doing it against freshmen and sophomores because all the good players leave for the NFL. If it takes you until being a senior, until being like three to four years older than everybody else, that's a pretty telling stat in college. And more often than not, breakout age is a really good predictor of whether or not you're going to be good at the NFL level. But what I will say is I think what we're coming to terms with is breakout age is a better predictor of whether or not you're going to be successful at the NFL level. And it's not as good as a like predictor of whether or not you're a bad player is what I think we're going to learn from this Kadarius Tony and some of these other situations where it's like, if you broke out late, it doesn't necessarily mean you're bad, but if you do break out early, you're probably a good, like look at Brian Edwards broke out at 17 years old, 99th percentile guy can't catch a fucking ball. Kadarius Tony breaks out at like 21 years old. He already looks like the next fucking legend for the New York giants wide receiver group. A lot of you guys are going to say this happened. It's 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 sickening that Jason Jason Garrett, oh, the coaching staff for New York is so abysmal that he had to be forced into a role. He had to force Tony onto the field because everybody else was hurt. And this kind of reminds me of the OBJ situation. Comes in the year injured, weird preseason, and now they finally let him fucking rip. And what do you know? 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 yards for Kadarius Tony. And he lands a fucking haymaker at the end. Actually, that was, that was a cowardice clown-ass haymaker. He waited for the fucking D-back to look away to try to haymaker. And that was some pussy shit by Tony. So absolute no respect for that. But Kadaris Tony's like a problem child off the field. He's also a problem on the field. The dude is so explosive. He is so smooth. He is so electric on the field, man. And that is what you saw. If you watch, No one watched Tony's tape in college and was like, I don't like him because he's not good on the field. Okay? Um, so... Tony needs to be the number one waiver wire ad at the wide receiver position at, at least. 
if you want to argue, this was one of the lessons I learned last year in the last couple of years with rookie wide receivers. I don't really care whether or not you draft them in your actual redraft draft. What I will say is though, as soon as you start to see electricity on the field, as soon as you start to see a wide receiver play more snaps, play more routes and start to put production up. We've seen it every single year. Last year it was Justin Jefferson. It was Chase Claypool. It was T Higgins. Like as soon as you actually start to see the film match up with the on-field production, you do not want to miss out on this player. Now we missed on Rondell Moore. The problem with Rondell Moore was the production was there. The snap counts and the routes were on were not. So we jumped ahead of our skis, but we're seeing it with Kadarius Tony, where now he's playing every route or every snap and running every route because all of the injuries on the New York Giants offense have forced him into that role. And it's like, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. The fucking tequila's out of the bottle. The, the Kadarius Tony's dick's out of his pants. It's something that you cannot put back in, okay? At this point, he's going to get 15 targets next week. He's going to get 15 fucking targets next week. Because Kenny, all right, so Kenny Galladay's got the hyperextension in his knee. This does not rule him out immediately for next week. He could miss next week's game, but they're going to have to take this day by day and see where he's at after an MRI. But he is not guaranteed to be out next week. If he is, though, and Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton are still not practicing, it looks like they could miss another week. Uh, they could both play next week. Who knows? But there's no way you take Tony off the field. And Tony's the most electric playmaker that the New York Giants have right now with Saquon Barkley off the field. And I would argue he's like almost the wide receiver version of Saquon Barkley. So you put a, a good amount of fab into Kadarius Tony if you are hurting at wide receiver or need a flex play going forward. But this kid is fucking good. Um, so it sounds incredible, incredible that you can pick up two New York Giants off the waiver wire with confidence. But here we are, week six of fucking fantasy football. On the flip side of things, Dak has a, a nice bounce back week, 300 yards, three touchdowns through the air. Zeke and Tony Pollard, the Dallas offense is clearly a run-first offense right now. If they can do it, they're going to establish that run and make the other team look silly with it. Zeke, 21 for 110 on the ground and a tugger. Also catches two, catch, uh, two of his targets for two yards and a touchdown, so he gets in twice. Tony Pollard, 14 for 75 on the ground. Also catches four targets, 28 yards, so he goes over 100 yards from scrimmage. Both guys are good, man. This is like the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt light at this point. Um, I Like, people really wanted to say Zeke looked washed after week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's just the like most fucking that, – that's how you know who, who who's a fish in fantasy football. It's, go look at – go on Twitter, search Ezekiel Elliott's name, and go back to week one and see who's saying he looked washed after week one and unfollow those dudes ASAP. Uh, CeeDee Lamb and Mark Cooper not getting the volume that you want to see. CeeDee Lamb's uh, explosive enough that he he will continue to make big plays downfield, which you like, but Dalton Schultz, man, he is the truth. Uh, if he's somehow still available on your waiver wire, like he's a he's a he's a pickup and play every single week. It's like three or four straight weeks of just like really, really good production at the tight end position. He has taken over that clear role. Blake Jarwin without even a target this week. So Dalton Schultz, that dude at tight end. 49ers Cardinals. Uh Trey Lance's first start. Not what you love to see. But here's the thing, bro. Like, here's the thing about Trey Lance. Like, with these numbers, 192 passing yards and an interception, 16 rushes on the ground, 89 yards. In this game, this dude had like 18, fa 18 fantasy points and zero passing and zero touchdowns overall and an and a turnover. So imagine when he scores a fucking touchdown. This guy's going to be putting up 25-plus fantasy points a game. Problem is, they lose – Jimmy G will be healthy because they have a bye next week. Jimmy G will be fine for the week after that, I believe. And and I, I want to say Shanahan's going to throw Jimmy G back into the starting lineup. So, unfortunately, if you started Trey Lance, like, things could have been much worse, but, like, he still walked away with, like, 18 fantasy points or some, or some shit like that. So, with that, I mean, tough scene all around. Tough scene for Trey Sermon, who is not getting any run if Elijah Mitchell's back there. Elijah Mitchell has nine carries, 43 yards. Sees two cat uh two targets, turns them into 19 yards, two catches. But Kyle Yushek continues to be the most targeted running back out of the backfield. So Elijah Mitchell is the starting running back there. Trey Sermon, you're not putting him in your lineup whatsoever if Elijah Mitchell is on the field. It's probably droppable as long as Elijah Mitchell is healthy. Debo Samuel, nine targets, only has three catches for 58 yards, but he does take a carry where he played in the backfield, got a nice little toss, takes it into a uh, takes it into the end zone for a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, what are we doing with him? Well, uh, I'm going to be honest. In the one league I do have him in, the E-Town Get Down, he's with so many waiver wire options available this week between uh, CEH's injury, 
Barkley's injury. Um, who else was injured? I feel like there's another big, whatever the fucking case may be. Carries Tony. A lot of players to pick up. Brandon Ayuk's going to be my first drop. I will be dropping Ayuk. That is a 10-team league, though. We only start two wide receivers. It's half PPR. Ayuk is droppable for me at this point um, because he's got the bye next week as well, too. So it's ugly out there. Arizona, same shit. Kyler has a down game. Uh, Kyler did something happen with Kyler. I believe is like throwing hand bicep. Something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's serious, but maybe something to note there. Nothing else really here. Chase Edmonds has a really shitty game, unfortunately, but the whole offense played really shitty. I'm not too, too worried about it. Otherwise, you keep trotting out DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore looks good, but again, he's not. He's still fourth in the pecking order in routes run and snaps, so wouldn't be surprised if next week he just goes like fucking four for 22, and then we're all disappointed again. Christian Kirk, AJ Green disappointing. So it's like it's a carousel where you can't really feel that confident about anyone in this offense besides Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. Unfortunately, Max Williams looks like he's going to be out for, I believe he's out for the season now. I believe they confirmed it was a serious injury. Um, so with him being out, maybe that's more targets for the wide receivers. Maybe they go more for wide receiver sets and have Rondell Moore on the field a little bit more, but like I'm not about to trot him out there uh, guessing that that's what's going to happen. So I don't know. I don't know, dude. Bill's chiefs, man. What if, this is crazy. The AFC's quarterback situation between Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert is going to be wild for the next four years. And I tweeted this out earlier today. I was like, before the year 2030, do we see another team represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Like before the year 2030, outside of those three, outside of Mahomes, Allen, or Herbert? Is there another quarterback that gets into the AFC part of the Super Bowl? And yeah, I mean, the obvious choices for you know, somehow getting in over those three is obviously Joe Burrow and the Bengals and Lamar Jackson of the Ravens. I, I can't imagine if you have to play, if your super, if your playoff run goes through any two of those three teams, the chiefs and the bills and the, and the chargers, you're not winning both of those games. Like it's just not happening. So the AFC is set up to be absolutely electric for the next 10 years. Josh Allen, electric, Patrick Mahomes, fucking electric. Zach Moss does what Zach Moss does. And since he didn't get in the end zone, not much of a problem, but he does catch three or four targets for 55 yards. Uh, so you can continue to trot him out as like a flex play because he has taken over as a clear 1A in his backfield. Stefan Diggs is always inches away from a monster game, but I guess we, we we should start looking at Diggs as like a lower-end wide receiver one as opposed to the high-end wide receiver one that we've seen because we have a guy like Dawson Knox, man, who was another waiver wire pickup last week who is starting to consistently get it done. He's making big plays down the field, went three for 117 and a touchdown, leads the team in receiving yards, and he's he's proven to be like a really consistent part of this offense. Uh, so Knox, I feel like he's a top 10 option every week at tight end. You keep rolling him out there. Emmanuel Sanders, of course, because I'm fucking playing against him in E-Town, goes three for 54 and two touchdowns. He continues to be a really strong wide receiver two option in this past heavy offense, uh, so you continue to trot him out. Gabriel Davis stinks. You never start him. You don't even roster him at this point. Really disappointing day for Cole Beasley. I still think he's the flex play that you can trot out there and he'll have his 10 target games, uh, but obviously not as confident. The big, the big takeaway in this game here is CEH's injury. I believe what they said right before I came on live was CEH has a MCL sprain. This is not too serious of an injury for a running back, but this could hold him out anywhere from two to four weeks. It's going to be a multi-week injury. The question is whether or not it's up to three or four weeks for him. The clear backup here is Darrell Williams. So people are going to ask, you know, do I pick up Jarek McKinnon? Here's what I'll say for Jarek McKinnon. He has literally one carry on the season. We're five weeks into the season, and Jarek McKinnon has one carry, okay? So that's what I'll tell you. Uh, uh, Darrell Williams handled six of the seven running back touches after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire left. The other thing to note here is that let me pull up uh, some of the notes that I had been writing earlier on this this morning on this situation, which, again, I'll go more in-depth on the running back waiver wire video for y'all, but it was more so about the backfield for the for the Chiefs. Now, I know a lot of people like the the, the reason you draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the reason you want the running back for this team is like they're so explosive on offense. And a lot of people are going to say, like, they're not the same Chiefs, right? They keep losing games. They've lost four of the last six. If you look at this team objectively, Patrick Mahomes is still the quarterback. He threw for like 370 yards last week and four touchdowns. OK, so people people want to forget that he, that's what he does on a normal basis. The Chiefs. Again, objectively, averaging 30.8 points per game. That's top five in the NFL. 
And on a given typical year, that's top two in any of the last five seasons and number one for a few of the seasons, okay? So they're still an extremely explosive offense, and you want the running backs in this backfield. They're not getting as much of involvement because that's just not what Patrick Mahomes does. He does not hand the ball off a lot. He does not throw a lot of targets to the running back position. But Darrell Williams will be a rock-solid RB2 for as long as Clyde over Hilaire is out. So I would definitely rather own Darrell Williams and Devonta Booker. What was the other? Is there another big injury? Am I just, am I getting crazy right now to the running back position that I'm just straight up forgetting about? I really don't think so. Because if there's not, then Darrell Williams becomes the number one running back waiver wire pickup of the week. And then it comes down to your team preference, Tony or Darrell Williams. Because the problem I have with this is, you know, it feels like Tony should be the outright guy. Because CH is going to be back. You're going to get Darrell Williams for like three weeks, you know, and then he's back to being a contributor to the team. Darrell Williams, like, I know CH looked kind of good in the last couple weeks, but uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire's snap counts have dwindled week by week. It was like 90% week one, 80% week two, 60% week three. It went down to like 55% in week four. And now the injury happens. If the Williams plays really well over the next two to three weeks, this might be a full blown committee over the back half of the season. Uh, also like running backs ceilings. I feel like on a week to week basis are typically higher. And when these, when these wide receivers or running backs get back to healthy, like what does Tony look like when Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley are all on the field. That's my problem. And we might be weeks away from that happening. I just have no fucking faith in Jason Garrett, like doing what a normal coach would do. Uh, so when we look at the other injuries, yeah, no other big running back injuries. It was Saquon, it was CEH, it was Damian Harris. Um, so Drell Williams would be the number one running back pickup on the waiver wire. I think he's a strong pickup. I think he's someone that you put, you know, 15 to 20% down to really ride you out for the next couple of weeks if you're desperate at the position, of course. Uh, nothing else to take away here. And I believe that wraps up the games for Sunday night. Let's talk about Monday night's game. We have the Colts versus the Ravens. Uh, let's look what underdogs got going on in terms of pick them. If there's any over-unders that we really like. Chad Bateman's not going to be active this week. I believe next week they're going to try to let him get active, which I like. Let him get healthy for another week so he can come bike in full fucking first. Patriots running back Damian Harris checked out okay. After yesterday's game, source said he was limited with rib and chest injuries, but tests ruled out anything significant, and he's best described as day-to-day. Okay, it's probably like a bruise or something, and it's probably going to be a pain tolerance thing where she could just take a, a shot for and uh, probably be fine for next week. So we're not really – unless something else comes out after I just fucking said that. Because I'm not a doctor, only technically, then we're not really picking up Ramondre Stevenson. Let's look at some of the pick games on underdog. And uh, if you're not yet on underdog, y'all can download the underdog fantasy app. Link will be in the description. If you deposit 10 bucks to play these pick them over under games, uh, you could three X. If you pick two correct plays, use a com- promo code BDG. When you do so, you'll get $10 completely free of charge. We love things that are free of charge. All right. So we've got, Carson Wentz, 20 and a half completions, 226 passing yards. Jonathan Taylor, 13 and a half receiving yards, 65 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I absolutely love over 13 and a half receiving yards for Jonathan Taylor. I feel like that's a smash play. Michael Pittman has been getting an absolute ton of targets and receptions. Zach Pascal, I feel like under 40 and a half receiving yards is a fucking smash as well. Let's look at Baltimore. 305 total yards, Sammy Watkins. My first instinct here is Marquise Brown over 61 and a half because he has just been lights out. If he catches a few balls, if he learns how to use his fucking fingertips, he's going to be a problem. So actually really, this might be my play right here. Over 13 and a half receiving yards for Jonathan Taylor, under 40 and a half receiving yards for Zach Pascal, and over 61 and a half receiving yards for Marquise Brown. That will net you 60 bucks if you bet 10. If you bet 20, because you use the promo code BDGE when you deposit 10, you're going to win 120 off of this pick. I love this. Let's look at uh, how have the cornerbacks for the 
for the Colts been playing. We'll check out the matchup for Marquise Brown and player profiler. DB doop, sheep bop, boop bop. And don't forget to drop a thumbs up if you enjoy thy video and subscribe, of course, if you want the waiver wire videos for tomorrow. Let's go. Trayvon Diggs, absolutely fucking goaded. I love that dude. Marquise Brown. Internet, work for me one time, baby. One time. Kenny Moore, coverage rating of zero. Uh, I feel like he's not a zero. He's got to have been hurt or something. Is Xavier Rhodes even playing? I go, I get paid to do this shit. And I just have no idea. Let's go over to PFF. Dot com slash tools slash wide receiver cornerback might up. Do, 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 do. Oh, I got to sign in. God damn it. Bear with me, people. We're going to see whether or not Marquise Brown is a good matchup. I believe he does. The Colts just kind of stink. But they're like one of those teams that stink that like slow down the game for everybody. It's like when you're trying to ride a roller coaster and like your fifth friend is there, but your fifth friend have the fucking energy of the group. And you're just like, ah, you got you mind if we just fucking uh, ride this roller coaster without you, buddy? Just take a seat. Go get a go get a giant chicken wing or something. It's like what the Colts team is. They just drag everybody down. I'm trying to have a good day with the Ravens and shit. Hey, there's good news for you guys. If you can guess my password, you can use my email address to get on to PFF. All right, Kapchka. Who the fuck name came up with the name Kapchka? I feel like it was Elon Musk probably. Probably deciding like, should I name my kid XYZ Xenium or Kapchka? Recapchka. Whatever one I don't want, that's what I'm going to call this fucking thing. All right, like, this is ridiculous. I'm not a robot. Just work. Holy shit. Did that take a long time? Uh, this is a tool per PFF that you have to buy access to, by the way. Uh, it's their edge package, I want to say. It's like 25 bucks a year. Well worth it, in my opinion. Okay, let's see. Yeah, this is crazy. Let's go. He is projected to get a little bit of whoever the fuck I Rogers is and then and then more. Okay. Not supposed to get a lot of Xavier Rhodes, but if you look at their PFF grade up to this point, none of them have been playing well anyways. Uh, so it looks like a good matchup, a plus matchup for sure for Marquise Brown in this one. Uh, so yeah, again, I really like the over in that one. So we will be taking the over 13 and a half receiving yards for Taylor under Zach Pascal's 40 and a half receiving yards and over 61 and a half receiving yards for Hollywood Brown, underdogfantasy.com. Again, when you deposit 10 bucks, when you're a first-time depositor and you use the promo code BDG, they're going to match that deposit for y'all. Things you love to see. All right, let's bring my beautiful face bike up here. Let's exit out of there. Let's see what's going on in the comments and the chat. Yeah, whatever. All right. We out of here. Uh, thank you all for hanging out with me on this beautiful Monday. We'll be doing this same live stream every single Monday, usually around 2 p.m. Eastern time. So subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification button. If, uh, if you want to be notified when we go live, we do mostly live streams throughout the regular season. 
for our content. Tomorrow, we will be dropping the double waiver wire videos. Wednesday will be rest of season rankings. Thursday will be setting my own fantasy lineups. So you'll be able to um, see how my leagues are doing and see what kind of decisions I am making. And then Friday, we have Fade the Public. Saturday, Q and Assaults. You can sign up for Q and Assault, access to it. BDGE.store forward slash community. All right, we're out of here. I love you. Goodbye, YouTube. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.